The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Rider. I'm Damon Martin. He is Matt Brown. And Matt, we are back after one of the craziest events in recent history. UFC 281 did not disappoint. Uh, we were texting last night during the event. And boy, I tell you what, uh, we talked a lot about it on last week's show. But did it deliver? I mean, seriously, that card delivered in a massive, massive way. Straight up, man. I was like MMA orgasm, bro. Like, I- <laughs> I'm still coming down from last night, man. Like I couldn't sleep at all. That's the that's the only shitty part about being on the East Coast, right? Like we get it, we don't get it out done till one in the morning. I, I started watching the prelims at what six six thirty is when they came on, right? Yeah, like six o'clock is when they started. Yeah, 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 man. I didn't I didn't miss a single fight all night. What about you? No, I, I was there for the whole thing, and it was crazy from start to finish. I mean, even the prelims were nuts. Like, it wasn't like there was just the, the main card. Yeah. Like, sometimes sometimes it's like, I remember when you fought uh, when you fought Tim Means, like, that card ended up being, like, one of the greatest cards ever, but it was started with your fight because every fight before your fight was like, oh, my God, this was not a good night. You finished Tim Means, and then everything after that was insane. That was Robbie Lawler, Rory McDonald, Conor McGregor. It was a crazy, crazy night. Yeah. This card, this card was start to finish. Like it was nonstop. Like there were really no bad fights. It was really crazy the whole night. And and I felt I felt like this was like the I don't I don't know what you said the climax of MMA shows. Uh, not not the climax, but there's just the peak of MMA, man. Like such high skill fights, every single one. We had the dog fights, we had the wars, we had the knockouts, we, just such high skill level all day or all night. Man, I was just so happy and pleased just to get a show like that, man. And at MSG, Frankie retired. God, you just couldn't ask for it to be any better. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to get to the card in a second, but I do want to start the show on a bit of a somber note because I'm sure as people have seen by now, we had some really tragic news in the mixed martial arts community. Anthony Rumble Johnson, two-time UFC title contender, legendary knockout artist, currently a fighter on the Bellator roster, sadly has passed away at the age of 38. Uh, still getting a lot of reports about what exactly happened. I did see one report that had something to do with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I don't want to you know, say that's testament, but that's what I was reading. Uh, either way, 38 years old, gone far too soon. 
Um, I'm not going to sit here and say I was best friends with Anthony Rumble Johnson, but I've known him for since he started in the UFC. I've interviewed him dozens of times. Um, you know, I had the kind of relationship with him where, you know, I, 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 you know, he, he, he was, he was Anthony to a lot of people. He was rumble to a lot of people and the people who knew him best or the people who were kind of friendly with him would call him AJ. And that was what I called him AJ. Yeah. Anytime I would see him, I'd call him AJ. And, uh, he was just an incredibly good guy, always gracious and, and nice to me. Anytime I would hit him up for an interview, you know, he didn't do a lot of media, but he would always say, Oh yeah, I got time for you. Like he would always say things like that. And I'd have him on, we'd have, we'd have hilarious interviews. He was just a great dude. Um, I'd spoke to him last, probably right after his, his first Bellator fight. Um, he was going through sickness. Of course, I'm sure a lot of people saw that he's been kind of out of the public spotlight dealing with an illness and sadly lost his life. It's just, man, it's just, it's one of those ones, you know, there's, there's certain, Deaths where it's like you know it's not a close friend. I'm not gonna sit there and lie and say we hung out on the weekends and we were best buddies or anything like that. But um, it's one of those ones that really hits home, man. It really does hit home. And you know this community, for as big as MMA has gotten, we are still a small knit kind of close knit family, and it hurts and it stings. And this one stings. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I've only had a few interactions with, with Anthony, but. He was always a great guy to me. We were supposed to fight at one point, actually. Um, he ended up getting injured, you know, when he was somehow making 170 back in the day. And, uh, you know, I talked to him after, a couple months after, and, um, you know, just a really cool guy, man. I mean, I remember looking at him and saying, dude, I don't know how you made 170, but, <laughs> um, yeah, he was a phenomenal person, though. And I, I'm, I was close with uh, Kong Lee back then, and, and uh, he was training with Kong and, you know, he had nothing but good things to say about him. So definitely a tragic day for MMA. Um, guy's been around for a long time, done a lot of great things. Yeah. You talk about like, you talk about a career, like, you know, he may not have become a UFC champion, came close, obviously a couple of times, you know, a couple of times, you know, fighting for the belt. But one thing that I always loved about AJ's career, man, is that dude was always fun and always exciting to watch. I mean, when we talk about, like, when we remember the greatest knockout artists in mixed martial arts history, I'm talking about one-punch knockout power, like not, you know, not cumulative knockout power, which is absolutely a thing, but just vicious one-punch knockout power. Like, the list is pretty short. Francis Ngannou might be one now as a heavyweight, you know, but you got, like, Anthony Rumble Johnson will always be on that list. That dude, that dude generated so much, like, freakishly scary power and i he's about fight, about fighting with what's i'll never forget he fought at 170 i remember running into him i want to say it was the ufc card in pittsburgh when uh i think it was like god who was it that fought in that fight i think it was rick story fought and and charlie brenneman or, or who was it in that i card? think i fought on that card right did you fight on that card was that you as well um yeah i think so yeah i remember being i was i was at the security desk yeah, checking in and i just checked in and I turned around the corner. I'm checking my bag and stuff, like because they have to do this. Because Obama was in town that weekend. President Obama was at that, yes, at that yeah, hotel. Yeah, yeah. I fought yeah. there that weekend. Yeah. yeah. So I was. So you had to go through this like super extensive security to get into the yeah. hotel. So like they had to search my backpack. So I'm around the corner and I'm going to the media center and I'm just basically putting my backpack back together. And AJ comes in. He sees me in spots. He's like, "Hey, Damon, how are you?" I'm like, "Good." I get up and shake his hand. And I literally shook his hand, gave him like a hug. And I remember stopping and I just, I, I looked at him and I, like, I looked him up and down and I said, how in the hell do you make welterweight? And he just cracked up laughing. Dude, he looked like a heavy, he was, she, and he wasn't like out of shape. He was like in shape, ripped, just a big freaking dude. And I was like, holy crap. I literally was like stopped in my tracks. Like, how do you make welterweight? That's, 
That's so funny you say that because I'm pretty sure that was when I had the interaction with them that I was just talking about. Oh, really? That's funny. I it, yeah, I think it was after my fight. I fought there in Pittsburgh. I got. I can't for the life of me remember who I fought that night, but um, I don't know why I can't remember. But yeah, I seen him after, and I was like, God, thank God I didn't have to fight that guy. Look how freaking <laughs> big he is. Like, he yeah, was just a, a ginormous person. Lord knows how he ever made. Uh, I mean, think, I think he only made with 70 once or twice, right? but like you're talking about with that, that one punch knockout power, you know, there's a lot of guys that have, uh, don't, not too many guys have stopping power like him. Like, like people have fight changing power, like, like Chandler, for instance, we seen it this weekend, like he hits you once it can change a whole fight, there, you know, or, or Poirier, you know, there's a lot of guys with this kind of power. There's very few with true knockout power i feel like i have like like fight changing power but that true knockout power like the engano and the rumble johnson that's very few and far between i'll never forget the i posted a photo on my instagram today from ufc 202 uh that was the infamous press conference where nate and connor were chucking water bottles at each other because i was in the front row and i had a i had a photo of aj he was sitting next to Nate Diaz at the press conference. So I posted that photo on my Instagram today and it reminded, cause I was trying to remember, cause I've been to a ton of his fights and I have photos on my camera going back years. And I was trying to remember like the last fight of his, I went to, and I knew I'd gone to that one. So I found that photo posted it. That reminded me of that event though. That's the one where he knocked out Glover Teixeira with the uppercut. And that was like the nastiest, one of the nastiest knockouts. And we all know yeah. Glover Teixeira has a chin of iron. He cracked Glover mm -hmm. Teixeira with an uppercut. And I, I thought, I thought Glover's head was going to go in the fourth row. Like it was the nastiest <laughs> knockout. He, he just, I mean, he just absolutely crushed him with one punch and knocked him out. Like it's just that was he just had that unbelievable but and people forget like he came from wrestling like he had wrestling he was a yeah. wrestler had a wrestling background but he just had so much power he was so much fun to watch and uh you know like anytime anyone like even the fights he lost you know obviously he didn't win them all but even the fights he lost like people would step in there with like a, I wouldn't say intimidated but like a real healthy fear of the kind of power that guy generated yeah. like even if he lost he like. Daniel Cormier told me, like, when he got clipped by Anthony Johnson in their first title fight, he's like, dude, he's like, I've never been, like, that was that was terrifying when he hit me. <laughs> like, you know, just like, it's because you, and he, like, scrambled to get away and scrambled, like, basically, you know, save himself from getting knocked out in that moment. But that dude, like, he was just a terrifying force whenever he was in there. And all he needed was, like, he had, like, the the uh the what is it like the the ninja thing like the death touch you know what i mean like he just had that thing like he yeah. just touched you and you go down um but like i said it breaks my it, it breaks my heart on so many different levels but like i said what i'll remember most about him from a personal level is he was just an incredibly nice guy incredibly good dude always made time for me um anytime i saw him he you know greet me with a handshake and a hug uh, and he, he was just that dude. Like I, like I said, he was, you know, anytime we get on the phone and do an interview, I would be like, I know you don't do a lot of interviews. He's like, I always got time for you. Like he would say something to that effect and always yeah. meant something to me. And man, it's just, it's heartbreaking. 38 years old, man. Like, I mean, you know, he'd be, he'd be 78 and we still say, man, it's probably still too early. Cause that dude had a lot of life sure. left to live. And 38 is just, man, it's just so tragic and so sad. And, and, uh, this one, like I said, this one hurts, man. It really does. Yeah, it just puts into perspective how short life is, right? It just reminds us, you know, even somebody as healthy as he was and as big and as strong as much of an animal he was, uh, you know, we are, we all are mortal. 
Absolutely. Even if we got stupid nicknames that are the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we really, you know, but we really are. And, uh, you know, yeah, that one hits hard, man, just because that's, uh, you know, he, he wasn't like, like someone that just kind of came and went, you know, he's been around for a long time and, uh, you know, he's been a part of this sport very heavily for a long time. And really he's only kind of left the past couple of years really because of the sickness, right? Uh, I'm yeah. not sure exactly what the sickness was. I seen something on Instagram uh, a little bit ago or Twitter where it showed the last time he had posted. And I think it was, might've been like a year ago. Um, you might know better than me, but you know, he basically said, pray for me, you know, I'm fighting the sickness or something. And, and you know, that, that's, that hurts right there, man. It hurts to, to read. It does. It does. And it's just like I said, man, you don't take life, don't take life for granted, man. And because like I said, you yeah. know, gone, gone way too soon. And uh, yeah, you're right. Like we, we look at a lot, you know, myself included, we look at fighters a lot as like, you know, we're, you're, you're kind of superhuman, you know, because you are in a lot of ways, you know, you do things physically that the rest of the world can't, but even, you know, even the greatest fighters in the world, you know, there's some fights you can't win. And uh, you know, sadly that was uh that was a battle that, that took Anthony and it's just, it's just a, it's just, like I said, it's a tragedy. I don't know a better word for it. It's just a really unfortunate situation. And uh, my heart goes out to him, his, to his family and everyone closest to him. Um, you know, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and profess and say we were best friends, but I knew him and I knew him for a long time. I've known Anthony, you know, since he started in the UFC. And so that's going back, you know, whatever it is, 10, 15 years. Um, so, you know, again, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. And again, my heart goes out to, everyone closest to him and uh you know he will be missed i'll just say that he will be missed and like you said you weren't best friends i wasn't best friends with him either but there is something about this sport this tight-knit community when you get to a certain level and you've done certain things where everybody has this mutual respect for each other and we feel close whether we actually are or not you know you might be on the other side of the world but we still feel there's a mutual bond particularly with fighters right where we just there's so you know we respect what what we all do and um we all go in there and beat each other up to to build a hierarchy for the fans and everything but there's a certain amount of love and respect i think for every fighter um yeah so you know anthony johnson certainly deserved earned a lot of respect from all of us absolutely absolutely well, with that being said, Matt, we will shift gears and talk about UFC 281, which was, we mentioned at the top of the show, an incredible, incredible event. Um, let me just kick yeah. things off by saying uh, I was right. Uh, I did pick the main event correctly, uh, Matt. I got scoreboard on you. Uh, I, maybe I should have gone double or nothing in our bet before the fight. I opted not to. I should have. Uh, what a fight, man. Israel out of like that, that, that was the first thing you texted me was I told you. Not, <laughs> not, not wow, what a great fight. <laughs> it was, well, listen, listen, listen. I, I have to, because ultimately, and the thing about it is, and this is the reality, when I say, like, I told you so jokingly, but in all seriousness, like, it was an upset. Like, he was not the favorite. Alex Pereira was not the favorite. You know, and, and Israel Adesanya was up three rounds to one. <laughs> In that fight, he yeah. was doing exactly what he should have been doing. But I said on Twitter at the end of the third round, a lot of people retweeted it, and it's true. I said, Israel Adesanya is up 3-1. But the end of the fourth round, Alex was kind of charging forward and hitting him with some shots, and I said, you cannot play that game with Alex Pereira. He will absolutely light you up. 
and put you out if you let him stick around and you let him march you down and walk you down and, and back you up. And that's exactly what happened in the fifth round. I wasn't, you know, I'm not sitting here saying I was the, you know, I was Nostradamus calling my shot. I just said that's what you cannot do. You cannot allow that dude to march forward, back you up, and start throwing punches. And that's what he did. Now, I don't think Adesanya was playing it safe. I don't think that's the case. I just think that the the Pereira came out with a mindset and a mentality that he's like, I got to get a finish or I'm going to lose this fight. And he went for it, man. And boy, I tell you what, he just, I mean, he really did go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to respect the way he fought. I really thought by the fourth, fifth round, um, I mean, I think it was the third round where Pereira looked pretty gassed. I mean, he looked like he was slowing down, looked like Izzy had total control. He was deciding where the fight was taking place. He wasn't back up against the fence so much. And that was the only thing that was making me nervous the whole time as a Izzy fan and picking Izzy and and kind of, you know, rooting for Izzy um, as a, you know, just as a fighter. You know, he just kept backing up against the cage a lot. And we kind of, it's almost like we were just waiting for that little slip. We knew it only take just that little bit and it just eventually happened. But but in that third round, it looked like easy to me. It looked like he was in good control. I think it was around third round, maybe fourth round, uh, um, when Alice came out. And it seemed like Izzy let off the gas. Like he felt a little bit too much control, let off the gas, let Alex recover. And, I mean, you got to give all fucking props in the world to Alex, man. That guy just bit down his mouthpiece, walked forward, and, uh, you know, just – Kept throwing shots, man. And, you know, I thought his corner did a great job of firing him up in between the fourth and fifth round. And he did exactly what he was told. And he went out there and got the job done, man. I mean, you know, it was so, it was so, so similar to their kickboxing match, right? <laughs> and what, because, uh, because Israel had him hurt at the end of that first round. He tagged it with that right hand. And if yeah. that had gone on, if that had had another 30 seconds, like that might not have made it out of the first round. Like it just went, like it yeah, was that he close. he wasn't going at the 30 seconds. No, he got hit. He was wobbled badly, and then the, and then the the horn sounded. Or if he would have been able to keep going, because again, on the feet up to that point, like what I saw in the difference was really how it played out. Israel was really good with his hands. Although Alex was a little better with his kicks, they both had some kicks. But Alex was a little stronger with his kicks. Israel, but Israel's hands were on point. He was laser, just laser sighted yeah. on his on his on his punches. But the problem is, is I think technically he was a better, you know, boxer, quote unquote boxer, but Alex has that X factor, which is exactly what I said going into the fight. The X factor is he has the power. He has that power. And it seemed seemed like with Izzy constantly backing up to the cage and so much of that fight taking place right there, Izzy was coming up. I mean, Alex was coming up short for a lot of the early rounds. And it seemed like he just discovered he, he he spent enough time in that position where he just knew I just got to put another inch on this and it's going to crack him and that's exactly what happened. You know you can only spend so much time in that single position until a guy like Alex is going to get a read and he's going to find something. It's just not not a good spot to be, especially when you're fighting Alex Prayer. And I think Izzy knew that and probably knew it in the fight and probably didn't want to be there. So you got to give all the credit to Alex for putting him there too. Yeah. Also, I, I do want to know. I, I, I did notice when you know, one thing that we saw in that fight, just from the face off, is that Alex, when they started the fight, I said this privately to some people. I was like, Alex looks like a freaking heavyweight in there. Like, he is a big, big dude. Yeah. And one thing 
that Adesanya had as an advantage over Whitaker, over Vittori, over you know pretty much every other middleweight he's fought is he's been a longer, taller fighter, reach yeah. and height. Now, not saying he's stronger because he's he's kind of a skinnier middleweight. He's not like a big bulked up, you know, Paulo Costa looking dude, but he's a taller, longer fighter. So he uses that reach and and distance very effectively in his fights that was kind of negated last night. Alex was as big yeah. and as long and as tall. And I think that kind of, you know, I think in, in moments forced Israel to fight a little differently, but he was still winning. No, I mean, he was still winning the fight, but then man, with, like when that finishing sequence happened, I was just like, cause he kept backing up. He kept backing up. And, and I was just like, this is just, this is a recipe for disaster. You cannot back up. It's like getting trapped in the corner in a boxing match. Like you just cannot allow yourself to get yeah. trapped there because there's no exit. And he and he had no exit from there. He was doing a good job and earlier grabbing the clinch and kind of turning things around and getting out of there. Yep. That into that fourth round, going to that fifth round, I was like, he keeps backing up and just letting Alex come forward. That is just a a, a bad idea. Yeah, as I say, you can only do that so many times with a guy like Alex. He's going to figure it out. It's funny, like I've only I met Alex once after a glory match, and I remember how big he looked. But meeting him was one thing. Um, Izzy, I've actually trained with before and sparred with, and I remember just how big he was. And I've trained with a lot of middleweights. I was like, geez, like he is so freaking big. <laughs> and Alex just towered over him. It looked like he, I mean, maybe not towered over him, but he did not make. I mean. Well, how would you say? How would you say it really looked? Like, it looked. It looked like, like it looked like the fight with Jan Blahovich, where it looked like he was fighting a light heavyweight. Yeah. It looked like Israel yeah, was fighting a light heavyweight. Class. Yeah, he's fighting in a different weight class, right? Like it was. Yeah, a, yeah, it was. A, it was a guy coming up a weight class to fight him. That's exactly what it looked like. God, man, uh, you know, again, you just I, that was my takeaway from the whole fight, man. You, you can always spend so much time with a a guy like that with your back against the cage. He's gonna find a spot at some point and Izzy to his credit. I mean, he dodged tons of shots and, and performed very well. Got away out of that cage. Like you said, clinched up multiple times, even got a takedown once. And, you know, it was, I don't know, it looked like a white belt grappling match there for a minute, but it was, uh, you know, Izzy did a great job, ended up on top, did all these great things. And then we talked about it before the fight. It only takes one, man, with Alex. And I think it took more than one, but it was one to change the fight and put him in a position to finish. Um, I know after the fight, Israel pretty much said he kind of accepted the stoppage, his corner talked to him, and you know, but he said, yeah. you know, I kind of wish I'd gone out on my shield. Now I know I like you've been a victim of what I've considered to be bad stoppages in the past. But me personally, I I want to get your opinion on this, Matt, because again, you're a fighter, I'm not, but like in that moment, I was completely okay with the stoppage. Like, would it have been okay to let Israel go down? Sure. But he, it didn't look like he was doing anything to get out of there. And that's the problem. Like, that was the yeah. issue. He went down once and got back up, and he was just eating punches. He was turning his head and eating punches, and he wasn't offering any kind of real resistance. And in that moment, it's almost like how much, like, because some guys just don't go down. You and I both know this. Some guys will just not go yeah. down for whatever freakish reason there is. They just will not drop and actually get knocked out unconscious. And dude, live to fight another day is my opinion with that. Like, I think they, I think they should do an immediate rematch. I think that it's warranted. There's nobody really deserving of a title shot. Like, honestly, like he's you know, Adesanya pretty much cleared out the division, so there's nobody who's really a legit number one contender waiting in the wings. So I think you do an immediate rematch, and in this case, um, 
live to fight another day. I, I thought it was a good stoppage. What did you think of the stoppage? You know, I didn't think it was a bad stoppage by any means. I would have liked to see him let it go longer. I don't hate that he stopped it the way that he did at the time they did. Um, I, but I would have liked to see it. If I were that ref, I would have let it go longer. Um, you know, the, the fact is, I don't think Izzy was getting out of there. I don't think Izzy thought he was getting out of there. I don't think anybody uh, thinks he was going to get out of there. But in this sport, we have seen crazier things, right? <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. we've seen, I mean, this sport just never fails to blow your mind. So, um, I would have liked to see him get a chance, and I would have given him a chance, but also don't hate the ref for stopping it when he did. Um, I mean, he was taking shots. Um, and when he did stop it, you know, Izzy took a really, really hard shot. Um, but I just thought, you know, the reason, like, if I were the ref, I would have let him have a little bit more time. Was You know, he still had his bearings about him. He was still attempting to dodge shots, whether he was successful at it or not. You know, he was at least attempting. Um and this is also a world title fight, you know, and, you know, you got to recognize too, like, you know, it's the fifth round of a world title fight. You know, the fighters, you know, the guy's a, a multiple time world champion. So I think you got to respect those kinds of things. And, and I'm 90% of the time, I'm probably an advocate. They should have let it go longer, uh, whether it was me or someone else. I think um, that's just the sport that we're in. I mean, they, they should give you every chance that you have, um, to get out of there it's just such a thin line right like because if, if he really takes is. if he takes like you know we saw a really vicious knockout on the undercard ryan span knocked out dominic reyes that was a vicious one shot knockout yeah. and reyes went down hard like what the, the thin line is if, if prayer comes in with like an uppercut and 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 izzy just gets absolutely crumbled and goes down like mirko krokop style where his knees buckle under him or whatever then we're talking about a late stoppage right then we're saying oh you didn't do your job you didn't protect the fighter he took yeah. too much damage you know so it's a thin line and in this case like i said i to me you err on the side of caution it wasn't like it wasn't like he took two punches and you said, no, 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 no more. Like he was eating, you know, whatever yeah. it was like 19 shots in a row without really all. And he did go down. He did go down and just kind of got back up again, but he went down once. Um, and in that moment, like, I just think you got to err on the side of caution. Cause again, it could have been one or two more. And then we're talking about him getting flat, you know, just absolutely flattened face first on the canvas. And then we're saying, Oh my God, why didn't you stop it? you know, minutes ago or whatever. So it's a, like I said, it's a real thin line. I get it. Like what you're saying. And, and, and I've never talked to a fighter who said, you know, I wouldn't want to go out on my shield. I totally understand that. But to me, that's a real thin line there. And I'm okay with the stoppage because the alternative could have been worse. You know, and you're right. You're absolutely right. There are instances where guys make incredible, ridiculous comebacks. Then I think about like your fight with, uh, was it, was it Pete cell? Is that the one I'm thinking of? Where the referee just—it was Eve Levine's. I'll never forget this. Like, he was just like—he's literally like, did I think he, I think Pete Sell owed him money or something because he's just like, I'm gonna let this kid get murdered in there because he kept getting punched and going down. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what are you doing? Just like stop this fight. Uh, it wasn't that bad. Like what happened to Israel wasn't that bad. But like again, I kind of err on the side of caution. Like let him live to fight another day. And I think we we got to do an immediate rematch, right? Like it's the only one that makes sense. That's it. Definitely got to do an immediate rematch. But I think that's where. I would probably disagree and where most fighters probably would disagree is we don't want to err on the side of caution. We'd rather get flatlined and be carried out on a stretcher in there. And, and I think, um, you know, that's just a risk that we're willing to take. Um, so I understand with commissions and, you know, there are actual health practitioners that, 
that judge this stuff and or watch it and there's actual politicians you know there's all these things at play that have an effect on this but us as fighters i guarantee there's not a single one of us that doesn't want to go out on our shield and or on a stretcher man like we want to go until i mean we'll die in there you know so it's like you we're never going to say it was too early or or too late i mean so that's what you know that's kind of where i'm not with that i'm with I'm with Dizzy. Bring back Steve Mazzagatti, man. Let's let these fights just go, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I like that he said that personally. Yeah, no, I listen, I get it. And this is a title fight, you know, it's fifth round, you know, maybe I again I get it all, like I said. But again, I, I still don't have a problem with the stoppage. I think it was okay in that moment. Let me ask this real yeah. quick before we move on to the co main and, and the other fights of the card. Um this is the third loss for Israel against Pereira. Now, technically, the first fight was a close decision. A lot of people are saying Israel could have got it. I get it. It was a close fight. Second fight, he was having moments. Had had uh, Alex hurt, and then of course he came back and got the knockout. But you know, we saw even in the lead out, like the walkout, and then the stare downs and everything. Like Israel was very businesslike. So a lot of times he likes to toy with his opponents, kind of get in their head a little bit, have some fun, and beat them mentally. A little bit of the Connor game plan, where you kind of beat them before you beat them. Um, he couldn't really do that with Alex because Alex already had a 2-0, you know, record against him. I'm not saying it's going to necessarily change what happens in, in the in the rematch, assuming it happens. But am I wrong in thinking that in a, it can get to you? Like, Israel, and I get it, Israel couldn't fight his normal fight against a striker as elite and dangerous as Alex because there's just so much, you know, peril in fighting a guy like that. So he can't fight exactly the same. I get all that. But you wonder, like, at what point is it maybe a bit of a hindrance mentally that he's now lost this guy three times? Like, it's not to say he can't come back. It's not to say he can't win the fourth fight. But I think that I'm not saying it it altered his performance on Saturday because he was winning. He was up 3-1. But I just wonder if, like, at some point that doesn't become a bit of a hindrance on you that this guy now has you beaten you three times and knocked you out twice. You know what? If there's a guy that can do it, I think it's Israel Adesanya. You know, I've been big on him since day one. I've met him. I've hung out with him before. I trained with him. And this guy, I think, just has as solid of a mind as anybody in this sport. I think that he can do it. But I think you have a great point, too. Somewhere in the back of his mind, he's got to feel like there's a, a fucking Alex Pereira curse on him. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. two times, you know, like two times he had him hurt. And, and you know, seconds from finish twice and then he beat him the first time according to i think most people would probably agree it was a probably uh you know it was close enough to win a robbery but you know so he's got to feel like you know th there's just some something in the fucking air like when he fights out you know what i mean like there's some mystical shit going on or something like the universe is against him but again if there's somebody that could do it it's busy man i, I think he's got every bit of the uh, ability to do it when we talk about other contenders, I, I wonder about what about Hamzat? Is I mean, is he? Uh, you know, are they gonna give that to him? You know, they gave Alex a shot off of a three, what three, four fight win streak in the UFC. I don't know Hamzat hasn't fought the top guys yet, but I think that's the not the nightmare matchup for Alex, probably for Izzy too. But for Alex, I I can't imagine a worse matchup. I can't. I don't see any other worse matchups other than maybe Brunson and. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to get this fight. Possibly. I wish, 
I, I you know, I, I think anything's possible. I think the problem is is that that Hamzat keeps playing you know, keeps playing games with like which division he's going to go to because it looked like he was going to do middleweight and then he decides to go to welterweight. Now they're negotiating yeah. this for this fight with Colby Covington. Listen, I agree with you. I think Hamza oh, yeah, is his re- Colby, right? Yeah. Supposedly they're yeah, working sorry. on it. Um, but like, yeah, you're right. Like in theory, you're right. Like he absolutely is the nightmare matchup for both these guys. His wrestling, his physicality, like he may just muscle both of them around and put them on the ground, but I think he needs at least one win against the elite middleweights, and I'm not. I think he could do it. But you know, if you're going to do it, like I thought after he had the whole weight cutting disaster and, and lost out on the Nate Diaz fight and ended up fighting and beating Kevin Holland, like they should have just booked him and Paulo Costa. They had so much heat coming out of that thing, and they yeah. really did not like each other. And Paulo, we know Paulo, dude. He's a monster. He's a big, strong, physically you know intimidating middleweight. That would be a really fun fight. You beat Paulo Costa, I got no problem giving you a title shot, but that didn't happen. Yeah. And so it's like, I agree, but he's more established at welterweight. If he's going to do middleweight, great. Have him beat fight, you know, have him fight and beat Marvin Vittori. Have him fight and beat, uh, you know, Robert Whitaker. Have him fight and beat one of those guys, and then give him the title shot while you're waiting. Do Izzy and and, and Adesanya or Izzy and uh, and Pereira four four or two, or however you want to number it. But I think he's got he's got to establish himself a middleweight. Stop pussyfooting around and saying I'm gonna be a welterweight, I'm gonna be a middleweight, I'm gonna be a welterweight, I'm gonna be a middleweight. Pick one, go for that title, and then worry about the other title. Like he just keeps yeah. bouncing back and forth. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that, uh, but that's why you're the writer and I'm the fighter. So. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, I would love to see Whitaker and Hobzot. Well, because I think Whitaker is the probably the best uh, uh, matchup the worst matchup for Hamzat, the best stylistically against them. I think Whitaker's probably got the the best style to beat Hamzat. I would love to see that one. But that I guess I forgot Kobe. And um, that makes for a really interesting fight, uh, right? And then, you know, he probably gets a title shot if he beats Kobe. And uh, he's probably a, a stylistically a good matchup for Leon. Yeah, it's interesting what happens. I mean, I, like I said, Hamzad's a monster, but again, he's just gotta gotta get those fights. I mean, he has the win over Gilbert Burns. He beats Colby Covington, of course. It's a title contender right there. Uh, or yeah, you know, like yeah. I said, go beat Paulo Costa. Your title contender. There. Just pick one. Do it. You know, that's kind of my thing. Pick yeah. one. And go for it. Um, yeah, you're right. You're right. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
we don't have to spend a lot of time in the co-main event. It pretty much played out how everybody, except for me, apparently, thought it was going to play out. Zhang Weili went out there and pretty much mauled Carla Sparza, you know, choked her out in the second round. Um, I honestly, I, I said this on the show, I thought Carla would surprise some people. I thought she would have a better performance than that, but Zhang did exactly what, what everyone thought she was going to do. She outpowered, outmuscled. You know, really just kind of bullied Carla Sparza in there, even in the even in the grappling exchanges, which is where I thought Carla would actually have a bit of an advantage or at least slow her down a little bit. And she did take her down, you know, once early. I think it was in the first round, but then just again, she really, really like took her down. She just ended up on top in the scramble. Yeah, I mean, she, she, I mean, she, yeah, she ended up on. T- I mean, but I thought, I thought she would make, I thought she would make it harder on Zhang Weili to do what Zhang Weili does. And then, you know, you dip into that third, fourth, fifth round, you know, Carla might be able to push and, and, and kind of get the decision. But none of that happened, man, and none of that mattered. Zhang Weili went out there and just bullied her around and, and choked her out in the second round and uh, did exactly what pretty much everybody else thought she was going to do, yourself included. Yeah, I told you, Damon. So. <laughs> You're right <laughs> about that. that You're you right about that one. You're right about that Here's <laughs> here. Here's my thing with Zhang, like she, cause she's, I mean, she is like, she is so freakishly strong and she is so good. Like it almost, it weirdly felt like when it was over, it felt like a mismatch, which is ridiculous. Cause Carla was the champion. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. And man, that was what a performance by Zhang, man. You know, you guys got to hand it to her. She did even better than, I mean, I picked her to win. I picked her to win handedly, but I thought Carla would give her a lot more problems than that. I thought she would, at least like push her against the cage more, slow her down a lot more. She didn't barely slow her down at all until she got on uh, on top, I think, at the end of round one. And, man, Zang just had her way with her. Yeah. Like, what, it's what one, is just great technique all around. It's one of those fights where it's like you just feel like some styles, you know, styles make fights, and that was one that was just stylistically just a nightmare for Carlos yes. Barza. And – uh now, here's my thing real quick before we move on. Zhang Wei Li is now the champion again. Of course, she has two losses to Rose Nami Yunus. Rose is also still out there, number one or number two contender in the world. I said this on Twitter on Saturday. Can we please get somebody else in there for the title fight? Amanda Lemos just had an incredible knockout over Marina yeah. Rodriguez. Put her in there. Listen, I have nothing against Rose Nami Yunus. I love Rose Nami Yunus. I adore Rose Nami Yunus. She's amazing, but... She she's coming off a loss in a really ugly, ugly fight to Carla Sparza. Yes, she has two wins over Zhang Weili, but like every title fight in the past like four years has pretty much involved Zhang Weili, Rose Nami Yunus, Carla Sparza, Yoani and Jacek. Now that yeah. speaks volumes about how good they are, but it also gets a little boring when it's the same like four people fighting for the belt constantly. Now you can argue and say, well, other people should earn it. I get that, but listen. Rose is coming off a loss. It was an ugly, ugly fight. Let her go out and beat one other person, then give her the rematch with Zhang Weili. For the time being, give Zhang Amanda Lemos, let Jessica Andrade come back down to 115, something. I thought first that you you would say Rose versus uh, Carla again, rematch, right? Let let them rematch. Does anyone really want to see that again, though? I mean, really? Does 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 anyone really want to see that again? Right. I mean, you know, we, we can talk about whether people want to see it or whether it's the right fight to make, too, right? The, they, you know, the, the situation, to me, calls for that fight. Lemos could either go straight to the title or maybe maybe she fights Rose for number one contender or Carla. I'm not sure. Yeah, I just... 
I would just like to see somebody different get in there. You know what I mean? Like there was an argument to be made that, you know, Marina Rodriguez at the time, you know, deserved a title shot more than Zhang. She was on like a four fight win streak. She yeah. looked really, really good. You know, she had a split decision loss to Carla in a fight that a lot of people thought she won. Uh, I didn't, I thought Carla won, but a really close fight. And, uh, yeah, like I just want to see some new blood in there, man. Like, like strawweight is is a pretty deep division, yet we just keep seeing these same three or four people getting recycled in the title fights. Let at least let Rose get one win. Like, let her go out and beat you know Yan Zhao Nan, who just had a great performance. She beat Mackenzie Dern. Let her go out and beat her. Or let her get to fight back with Carla. Or let her beat you know somebody else. And and then you know she wins that. Sure, give her the title shot. I got no problem with that. But. For the in the meantime, like I just want to see somebody else get an opportunity. You know what I mean? Just somebody just to I, mix I it up a little bit. It, isn't it hard to deny Rose though when it is she beat the, the current champion <laughs> twice? She I mean, she beat her it. twice. Yeah, she beat her twice. And like I said, yeah. my only my only argument against Rose is she is technically coming off a loss. Like that's the thing. Like I'd like to see her at least get yeah, a win. Well, yeah. You know, get a win and then and then get yeah, your title shot. I got a problem. But, you know, and, and the loss, while it's not a bad loss, it was just an ugly fight. Like, she didn't do anything in that fight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a no good that, call. I mean, you, sh- you should never get a title shot coming off a loss. That's just ridiculous. Unless it's a immediate rematch, like, is he, a, you know, if he gets to fight Alex again, right? Yeah. Any other loss, it, yeah, of course, it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. Now the, the, the fight of the night, of course, Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler pretty much played out how you and I thought it would complete and utter yep. chaos, insanity. Chandler hurt Poirier early. Poirier came back at the end of that first round. Then Chandler actually turned to his wrestling. He went to his wrestling and won a pretty dominant second round. Yeah. Then he ran out of gas and Poirier just put it on him and did what we thought he would do. Went out there and started being the technical brawler and, and beat him and then ended up choking him out when he went for an ill-advised takedown and ended up getting reversed to get the, the, the choke uh, in the third round. That, I mean, th- that fight was exact. It's what it's one of those things like you always hope those fights play out like the way you expect them to. But, you know, it just seems like if you put Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler or Justin Gaethje in the cage, you're going to get what you pay for. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think Dustin's beat both those guys now. So he does. He has. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, how much, how much props can you give to Dustin Poirier, man? Like what a fucking soldier, man. You just got to, you know, man, (laughs) he can't even say enough good things about him. He just carries himself well, speaks well, just does all the right things, man. It seems like he just can't do no wrong. Uh, Even when he loses, when he loses, we feel bad for him. Like, damn, wish he would have done better. It's crazy. Yeah, like, like just what? It's crazy yeah, too because he hasn't like he's he's come up short in his two bids to become champion, undisputed champion. He yeah. lost to Khabib and he lost to Oliveira. But when you look at the guys he's fought, I think the list was like in his last ten fights, he's fought nine current or former world champions from UFC and Bellator. Like <laughs> his his list of opponents is utterly ridiculous, and it's kind of crazy to think about. Like he hasn't actually been an undisputed champion, even though he has some of the most an unbelievable wins uh, in the sport. And like, you always feel like he's just one fight away. He's always one fight away from being there and yeah. being a champion. Um, he, I, listen, he has a tough road to get there. Now Islam Makachev is no joke. That dude may be champion for a while. Um, but Dustin's a dog, man. That dude went out there and just fought his ass off. And, and I mean, it's just, it's, I know it sounds weird to say it. it's just a pleasure to watch that dude do work. Like it's just an absolute yeah. pleasure to see him go out there and do work. Yeah, it's just unfortunate the guys that 
been championed were just the worst style matchups for him. And so, you know, that's all it's come down to. And, you know, wrong place, wrong time. But like you said, you know, he beats these guys that are former world champions. If it would have been a fight earlier, he would have fought them for the title. So, you know, just a, a great guy, though, man. I just I love watching the guy fight. And God, that fight lived up to expectations through and through, man. Um, Chandler, I just I don't know what you do with him now, though. You know, Poirier, you know, it's pretty obvious that, you know, he's going to fight another top contender. He's going to be somewhere at the top. Um, but Chandler, he's, what, two and three now, if I'm, if yep. I'm right. Yep, you're right, two and three in the UFC. And listen, every fight Chandler's been in has been exciting and been fun. His three losses are to Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, and Charles Oliveira. There's absolutely no shame in that. But, you know, you wonder, like, is he going to be the guy who's always going to be a really exciting, fun fight to watch but never quite be a champion kind of level? And listen, there's nothing wrong with being a guy who goes out and gets an extra 50 grand in your paycheck every single time you fight. Let me be clear about that. Like, There's nothing wrong with being just an exciting pay-per-view fighter who's going to be absolutely dropped down. You know, every, time you, every time you watch the guy perform, you know what you're going to get. But I know Michael Chandler really wants to be champion, and you start to wonder – at two and three and losses to, you know, uh, the, the former champion, the interim champion, and another interim champion, like you wonder, is he ever going to get to that peak? Is he ever going to reach that pinnacle? And you can't help but question, like, at this point, like, whatever, whatever he is, like, 35, 36 years old, there's a lot of miles on those tires. You just yeah. wonder, like, I, I love Michael Chandler. I think he's amazing and a great dude, by the way, like a really, really good dude. Um but you can't help but wonder, like, will he ever quite get to that level? And, and uh, you know, I mean, you can't help but wonder that with the, with his his three losses aren't bad losses, but those three losses are the guys you have to go through to get yeah. to Makachev, to get to Khabib or whoever. You know what I mean? Like, you got to beat those guys. And if you can't beat those guys, you're not going to be – you're never going to be the champion. And I think there's a certain level of this sport where uh... – yeah, those wins and losses a lot of times are determined on strategies, right? Like, we know Michael Chandler can bang with anyone. We know how athletic he is. We know how strong he is. We know how tough he is. But his strategies, we have to start questioning, you know, are you going to come in with an actual strategy and try to, you know, just try to win a fight? And uh, that's what he's going to have to do. He, he is absolutely could be a world champion. I think, you know, he'd be a – uh, has a, a great chance to beat anybody in this division. But if he's going to continue to go out there and fighting by just throwing caution to the wind and relying on his athleticism or that one big shot and just exploding in hard as he can and swinging as hard as he can for the fences, that's not going to beat these kind of guys. No, you're absolutely right. Like, And there's absolutely nothing wrong with being the fifth best lightweight in the world. Like, I'm saying that as a compliment. Like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But – to be champion, you have to be able to beat these guys. And like, in a way, like as, as exciting and as, as great as Michael Chandler has been, like you almost kind of want him to go out there and win a boring decision. Just go out there and like, just yes. you know, wrestle a guy and put him down on the ground and beat the hell out of him. And, you know, win a fight, like maybe not the way you're used to seeing him win, but just to prove you can do it. And, and like you said, stick to a strategy, stick to a game plan and just beat a guy, you know, like not go out there to have just an absolute utter crazy three round war yeah. until one of you falls over have the kind of fight where when it's over, they're going to say, man, like that was just domination. You know, we haven't really said, I mean, he, he knocked yes. out Tony, he knocked out Tony Ferguson, knocked him dead 
earlier this year, but that's after Tony had caught him quite a bit early in the fight. Like Tony didn't look right. bad in that fight. You know what I mean? Dan Hooker, that fight was over pretty quick. That was you know two minute fight. Chandler just kind of went out and steamrolled him. But even in the even in the Tony Ferguson fight, like it wasn't like it was a one way traffic. Like he got caught a few times early. Tony had some moments, and then of course you know Tony got caught with that front kick, and it was over. But <laughs> It's almost like like if you're gonna give him like let's say like Rafael like Rafael Fiziev or um you know Matush Gamrod or one of these other kind of you know up and coming like top mm-hmm. ten guys like I almost want him to go out and win a boring decision just to see if he can do it you know what I mean because you wonder like is it in his head where he's like he has to be so entertaining does he have the ability to just go out there and grind a guy and beat him dominantly in a thirty twenty six decision I don't know if he has that in him. <laughs> I mean, I know he yeah, does. I, mean, I know he does. I'm just saying, like, I don't know if he'll ever want to do that. Yeah, yeah. No, I know exactly what you're saying. You know, does he does he have it in him? Absolutely. But will he allow that part of him to come out? Is a different question. You always the old quote, right? You fight with your brain first, and then you fight with your heart. And that's what I would like to see him do: go out and fight with your brain, be smart, win the fight, be assured of a win. And look, that's not going to be easy. And there's going to come a time where you do have to show your heart. We already know you got that. So go out and get the easy win. Get the, uh, you know, come home unscathed for once. Uh, you know, and, and get be back in the gym Monday for once. And, uh, you know, the, you keep fighting. That time is going to come where you do have to suck it up. And you have to bite down your mouthpiece and just start swinging for the fences. And we already know that you can do that. So uh, there's no reason to go out and starting like that. Um, I think guys like even like Dustin Poirier, I don't think he necessarily goes out with the intention of having a war. You know, he goes out, he, like he was fighting Chandler very intelligently. I thought, um, you know, I think he made a little, a couple of small mistakes. And I think just cause Chandler was so explosive, you know, he was probably just not expecting, uh, uh, the speed, you know, and, and Chandler came right after him too. Uh, you know, you gotta, you can't forget that part, but you know, Poirier is going to, I think he's going to look to make the easy fight first, and then it just turns into a brawl, you know, and, and we know he can do that. You know, I'd like to see the same out of Chandler personally. Yeah. Go out there and make it easy on yourself. Those hard fights are going to come. You're in the fucking UFC, bro. Like, those are those things are going to come, whether you like it or not. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, there's nothing, again – there's nothing wrong with being the number five guy. There's nothing wrong with going out there winning fight of the night and performance of the night every single time. Your bank account will be happy. But if you really want to be a champion, if your goal is to be a you know the UFC champion, you can't always have those kind of fights. You just can't. Like think about how much damage, think about how much damage Khabib Nurmagomedov took in his entire career. He probably Khabib probably took less punches in his entire career than than Michael Chandler took last night. Like at (laughs) at some point, at some point, defense has to matter. Like you have to be willing to just go out there and just beat. And Khabib was exciting. Khabib went out there and just mauled people. Like it wasn't like Khabib was a boring fighter. He went out there and just absolutely mauled people. But he, and I know I'm not saying you have to be Khabib. I'm just saying like, there are ways to win a fight where you're not like going to the hospital afterwards and broken nose and broken orbital bones. And like you said, getting back at the gym on Monday, you know what I mean? Like there's a way to win where you don't just go out there looking like you just got hit by a truck. Um, yeah, and you know, realistically, look, at the, look, we say we want to please the fans. You know, I fell into this trap myself, right? The fans, they, of course, they want to see these crazy fights, and they're going to love you for that. But guess who they love the most? They love winners. They, like, GSP is more famous than basically all of us, right? And he never had 
really any crazy wars. I mean, he had some pretty tough fights like with Johnny Hendricks and stuff, but he didn't have wars like Chandler or Poirier have had or like I have had. But he's every bit as loved because he goes out there and wins, and that's what people want to see. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, Dustin Poirier, after the fact, you know, he said he likes the idea of uh, fighting somebody like Benil Dariush. My God, what a great fight that would be. Dariush has looked like yeah. a monster. He just went out there and kind of schooled Matush Gamrot in his last fight. He's on like an eight-fight win streak. I'm a massive, massive fan of Benil Dariush. Um, I think that's the perfect fight. I know they announced Islam Makachev is going to fight Alexander Volkanovsky in February, champ yeah. versus champ. Seems like Poirier and and, and uh, Poirier and Darius should be a great you know fight to throw on that card. Have them as kind of like the backup fight. Um, Darius deserves Darius a big has fight. Has, has won how many in a row now? Eight in a row, I believe. Eight in a row, yeah. Like I, I'd like. I think Darius should wait. Like he's a, he's in line for the title shot. I think he should have a freaking title shot. I think he should just wait for his title shot. I would have no problem. If it's guaranteed, I have no problem with that. I just know how the sport works. Nothing's guaranteed. You know what I mean? So, you know, but, but I, but that would be a he, great he's fight. He's deserving of it though. He is. So we know this. He, he is. is absolutely. If he waits, he should get the title shot. And I think he should wait. Like, it, you know, fighting Chandler is a risky fight. Like even if you could be 10 times better than him, it's a risky fight. That's an explosive athletic son of a bitch. It's going to crack you at some point in the fight. 99% guaranteed. Yeah, it's interesting. I know Chandler said afterwards he wants to welcome Connor back. And uh, I think that is still a great fight. Chandler and Connor would be a great fight. I mean, talk about like losing to Poria, yet you win the Connor sweepstakes. Uh, not a bad way to go for Michael Chandler if that happens. And, and listen, like I said, Michael Chandler is going to be exciting no matter what he does. But again, do you want to be the number five guy or do you want to be champion? Because you want to be champion going out there and having crazy back and forth, bloody wars may not get you there. I mean, listen, I know it's a knock. People are going to say, you know, he beat him, but I mean, you can even say the same thing a little bit about Justin Gaethje. Like Gaethje's a guy who goes out there and has these crazy, just insane wars, but he's not reaching a pinnacle either. I mean, he hasn't, he lost to Poirier. He lost to Khabib. He lost to Oliveira. Same kind of thing. Like you have to eventually get a little more technical. Poirier had to do that. Poirier was a victim of his own success early on. He used to go out there, bite down on the mouthpiece, throw caution to the wind, one of us is going to go down. And more oftentimes than not, Dustin Poirier won those fights. But there were times where he got caught, he got clipped, he got finished, he got beat. He had to stop getting into those kind of fights. And now Dustin Poirier is legitimately one of the three best lightweights in the world. Can Gaethje and Chandler make those adjustments to where they have to balance the excitement and the explosiveness with just going out there and, and winning, even if it's ugly, winning? You know, Like you said, winning is what matters. Yeah, you don't go searching for the the war, right? It, it, it's going to come. You're in the UFC, bro. Right? You, like, you're fighting the best in the world. Like, you're going to end up in a war if you do this long enough. And everybody's going to see whether you're for real. We already seen the Chandler's for real. We already seen Poirier's for real. We already know they can do the war. And that it, it's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a, a rough night. You know, <laughs> like, both people are going to be bloody and, you know, spitting out blood and you know, we already know this. So I don't think they need to prove that anymore. Um, and that's just my two cents. I just don't think they need to prove it. You know, I think they should go out there and, and win some fights. And, and I think, it, and I think my whole point is that I think they're, they're just holding their own selves back. They're kind of their own worst enemies, uh, uh Gagey included, you know, with, with Chandler, they're just their own worst enemies rather than, uh, the playing is smart. They're, they're just trying to, I don't know if they fall in love with the knockout or, 
or, or what it is, but, um, you know, I think it's easy to do to just go out there and want to have an exciting fight. I mean, you're in front of a big crowd under the lights and you're fired up and you're excited and, and those fights are fun, man. They're, they're an absolute fucking blast, but you know, I just hate seeing guys like with Chandler's potential and, and just kind of throwing it away due to a lack of strategy. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's true. Um, we talked about it on our last episode, Matt, and man, I tell you what, like this sport is unforgiving. There is no, like, there is no, like, there are very few dream endings in this sport. You and I know this, like very few fighters go out on wins, even fewer go out as champions. And we talked about all the admiration and and love we had for Frankie Edgar, man, it just, I mean, it ended in such dramatic fashion. Chris Gutierrez with the jumping knee and knocked him out. And that is you know what that you know what that is like and listen I, I love frankie i'll love frankie forever and frankie's a legend he should go in the ufc hall of fame next year for sure um yeah but it's it's a harsh reminder that very rarely do you get to walk out in your final fight like you rarely, like that's just the nature of the sport it's almost like you have to be carried out in your final fight to know it's truly over because you wonder, like, if Frankie had gone out there and put on a classic Frankie Edgar performance and, and won 30-27 or clipped him and caught him and knocked him out, he, he said it was over. He said he was done. But what are the chances that maybe he says, ah, you know what, I felt pretty damn good in there. Maybe I'll get one more. I feel like sometimes as, that, as bad as it is, like, you almost need to lose to just realize, like, it's time to, you know, time to hang him up. And man, But still, that was just... That was heartbreaking, man. And I know Chris Gutierrez was going through a lot himself. If I know his coach had cancer, like the week of the fight and all that kind of craziness. Like, and you saw, like he went over and checked on Frankie right away. It almost kind of broke his heart to do that to a legend. Uh, that's the sport. But man, somebody said it once upon a time is true, man. This sport is a cruel bitch. Like there is just no, like there is no, you know, th- there is no chill with this sport, man. There are no, this is a dangerous, deadly game. And uh, like I said, very few fighters walk out of the cage. Most of them get carried out. That's a fact, man. And it was sad to see that happen to Frankie. But, you know, I've known Chris for a long time. I trained with him uh, before he was in the UFC or anything. And, uh, when I heard that fight announced, I kind of had an idea. I, I know how good Chris is, man. And, you know, I do. he's a, a terrible matchup for Frankie. I just wish they would have gave Frankie a better matchup. Uh I'm not sure why they cut. It seems like that's kind of what they do that, you know, why not give them an older guy or somebody that's also kind of on their way out or, you know, even just someone that's just a wrestler or I I don't know, something, you know, just a more favorable matchup. I mean, I don't know. It seems like there's some way to make that happen, but it kind of just everything worked in Chris's favor and, uh, you know, more power to him, right? Like, you know, he did it. He went out there and did his job and can't take nothing away from that. Oh, yeah, Chris looked fantastic. It's just, man, it's so, it's just yeah. heartbreaking. You don't want to, and like I said, you just, you you don't want your last image of a legend to be that. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want your last image. And listen, his his record is cemented. His legacy is cemented. He's done so much in the sport. Yeah. He'll always be remembered. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, but like I said, it's just like watching Anderson Silva in his last couple of UFC fights, losing, getting knocked out, and things like that. And you're just kind of like, man, I just, I hate seeing it. You know, I hate seeing guys like that go out in that particular way, but um, you know, it is what it is. And, and, you know, like I said, Frankie's done, but again, his legacy security, you still just hate to see him get knocked out like that. Like, I don't, there's no two ways around. It yeah. just sucks seeing a guy go out like that. Um, real quick before we close down the show, Matt, you know, we had so many incredible finishes 
On the card, I mentioned Ryan Spann with that huge knockout. Hinato Moicano had a big win over Brad Riddell. Aaron Blanchfield put an end to the Molly McCann hype. Yeah. Uh, we had a lot of big fights. Anybody... You talking about this sport being a cruel bitch? How about Dominic <laughs> Rage, man? Like, man. I think, you know, somebody somebody tweeted, tweeted it. You know, if that one judge hadn't gave a fight to John Jones, you know, this guy's whole life would have been different. Now he's on, what, three-fight knockout streak, I think, yeah, knocked out by Blahovich, knocked out by Yuri, and now knocked out by Ryan Spann. And uh yeah. and that's four losses in a row technically with the Jones fight. You know, that's four in a row. He was undefeated before that. Undefeated now lost four in a row. Yeah. Boy, what what it's a fucking cruel bitch, this sport, man. <laughs> it is, it is. That, and it's exactly right. But, but how about fucking Ryan Spann though? Come on, man. We have my talked God. about him. This guy. This guy said he never trained before. Those are jabs to knock out Dom Rays. Come on, man. This, this is something special here. I want to see I, where this guy goes. That guy, when he said, I never trained more than three weeks for a fight, I was like, holy crap. Like, that's the kind of dude you wonder if he actually does get serious about it. Like, what's going to happen? Because he's got all the potential in the world. Huge power. Insane power. Um, and I, he trains with a good team. Fortis MMA is a good team. Saif Saad is a really, really good coach. Um, if they do get him in the gym and start doing six, eight week camps, dude, this guy is a monster. Like, I'm not saying he's going to be champion, but tons of potential there, man. He looked real. I mean, he looked really good last night. Yeah. And just his build too. Like how long are his freaking arms? I mean, the way he's built, I mean, he's the perfect body type for MMA. Uh, yeah, I just can't wait to see where this guy goes. So. Yeah, and let's also real quick talk about hype versus reality because hype is great. And and in this sport, you know, kind of, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, you know, hype sometimes matters more than skill sometimes. Not say it's right or wrong, but you and I both know hype, you know, gets people attention. Hype gets you big marquee fights. Hype gets you money. Um, but there's Sean O'Malley hype where you are legitimately a good fighter and you just have to have the opportunity to prove it. And he proved it when he fought Piotr Jan went out there and fought an incredible fight. Now he's legitimately probably the number one contender in the division. And then there's Molly McCann hype. Molly McCann is a solid fighter, but she was knocking out Hannah Goldie. And I can't remember the other girl's name. She knocked out with the, the spinning back elbow. Great wins, impressive, all the hype in the world, getting all these sponsorship deals, all this kind of stuff. But Molly McCann was not like this top, you know, level fighter, before that, she just had two highlight reel knockouts and kind of got a lot of buzz being at home, fighting in England, things like that. Aaron Blanchfield just went out there and said, oh, hype, really? Well, let's see what happens when she goes up against a buzzsaw. And Blanchfield just mauled her. Dude, what a what another prospect I can't wait to watch, man. Aaron Blanchfield looked amazing, composed, calculated, and, and just a fucking ripsaw right through uh, Molly McCann, bro. I mean, that was just beautiful technique. She did the whole way through, and it looked like didn't even break a sweat doing it. So, man, I, I can't wait to see her fight the top five. Yeah, she's a monster, man. I've been really, really high on Aaron Blanchfield for a while, and you know you know better than me, of course, the fighter. I mean, I've done it, you know, just rolling and training, but dude, getting caught in a war like that sucks real bad, and when they get your, when they get your leg over your head, dude, you're just talking about, like, just might, you might as well just rip your shoulder out. Like, I was, I thought she was going to take Molly McCann's yeah, arm home with her. Out. Yeah, it was yeah, nasty, it was dude. To rip out. So it's just unfortunate she's got to you know, somehow she's got to figure a way to beat Shevchenko, which is a, another level. So <laughs> it's going to be real interesting. Yeah, that's that's kind of like uh, we we're talking about with like the whole Chandler, like the lightweight situation. Like you can be really good, 
But then you're like, you're really good. Uh, here's Islam Makachev. Yeah, go out and be really good against this guy. Uh, you can be really, yeah. really good, but here's Valentina freaking Shevchenko. You know what I mean? Like, that's a, man, that's a daunting task. And, and it, you know, both of them eventually may lose. I mean, they may retire. Who knows? But, like, they they may lose eventually one day. But, God, like, think about that, how talented and good those fighters are. But then you're like, oh, here's Islam. Here's Valentina. Good luck. Right, right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's the problem I, with with Chef Chico. I mean, I just you just see so few weaknesses, man. I mean, you just see at least with Islam, I'd be like, okay, if you, if you can stop his takedown, like you got a good chance, you know. But it's like with Chef Chico, I'm just like, well, if you stop her takedown, now you got to deal with her fucking Muay Thai, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not easy, man. Like I said, but again, Aaron, Aaron's 23. She's got plenty of time. You know what I mean? She doesn't need to rush in. And I know she's not, I've talked to her, I've had interviews yeah. with her before. She's not rushing to get into the fight with Valentina Shevchenko. She knows she's a year or two away from that and good, you know, don't rush into it. Uh, because you know, frankly, you're not ready for it yet. Now you may be in a year from now, a year and a half from now, you get a little bit more experience under your belt. You get some good quality wins, build that resume. Sure. But right now, yeah, it's not uh, it's not really that great of a fair fight because Valentina is just on another level of everybody in the world. Take your time. There's no I think that's a big problem. Some of these fighters get rushed into these situations that are just not ready for it. Uh, I like that she and I, I think even Casey O'Neill, another really really good prospect, have said like we're not there yet. Like give us a couple years and we'll get there, but we're not there yet. And I appreciate that kind of humility that they're not just like give me Valentina Shevchenko right now. Because they probably know the result, and and they're they're humble enough to admit they're not quite there yet. Is there anybody out there saying, "Give me Valentina Shevchenko right now"? So. <laughs> I mean, that's true. I don't know how many people are be like, "Give me that fight, let me have it." Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, they all get... want the title fight because it's a title fight, but then they're like, "Well, it is Valentina, so <laughs> yeah, it's great that I'm in a title fight." But yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see anyone messing with her really but i don't either and yeah, i said you, the same thing you know said, this sport too though like you never fucking know man you don't right like like this sport is crazy i mean bounty all she gotta do is wake up on the wrong side of bed once <laughs> you know like well i mean it, it, her it, last fight she happen. had a she had a foot injury didn't look herself and Ty, tyler santos almost beat her like she did not look herself yeah. and tyler santos had a great fight now valentina won and it drives me insane that she like had a legitimate foot injury and like couldn't do what she normally does in a fight. Cause I think that's a much different fight if she's hundred percent healthy, but you take those risks. Like I said, you can't say you didn't take, you, you can't, you can't make excuses afterwards. You took the fight. If she would have lost yep. that's on her, but she didn't. And like, I have a hard time believing she's going to take that same risk again, uh, you know, after doing it that one time. But yeah, like, and like, I, I love Alexander Volkanovsky. I think Alexander Volkanovsky is an incredible fighter, man. He's a monster. One of the best pound for pound guys in the world. But I still don't like his chances against Islam Makachev up a weight class. Like, you know, like Max Max Holloway is a really, really good fighter. And he went up and got picked. I don't want to say picked apart. That's sounding a bit insulting. But he got largely dominated by Dustin Poirier when they had that fight for the interim title a couple years ago. I think Volkanovski's a monster, but come on. Like, Makachev is a, is a freak of nature, dude. That guy... That guy's yeah. gonna be that guy's gonna be really really hard to beat. Yeah, I think I think it's gonna be an interesting fight. I think Volkanovski size and strength wise may even be able to hang with him personally. I'm a I'm a little bit bigger on Volkanovski than I think most people are on this fight. Um, I still think Makachev is gonna end up getting it done, 
but I don't think it's going to be nearly as easy as people think it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be quick. I think it's going to be slow. And I think Makachev is going to probably end up either submitting him or, or, uh, or, or, or pounding him out late later in the fight. I don't think it's going to be so easy for him personally. Well, come February, when we break down that car, if you want to go double or nothing on that one, I will go double or nothing on that one because I'm fully confident in Makachev, Makachev winning that fight. No, I, th- I, I think Makachev to win. Like I said, I think, you know, but I think he'll get him later in the fight than people think. And I think he'll uh, he'll be tested. Like, he'll get some – I think Alexander will get some good shots in and give him some hard times. Um, and I, I give Alex a, a bigger, better shot than I think most people would – the only bet that I would do on that, if since we're going to be betting all the time now, I think <laughs> <laughs> the only bet I would do on that is that it lasts three rounds. I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll do a, a bet like that. I'll say it goes over two and a half rounds or three now, rounds. That one I wouldn't, because I agree. I think Volkanovsky will stick in there. I don't think he's going to just go away. I don't think he's going to just fade away. I think he's going to stick around. I just think ultimately size and power and wrestling are going to be too much and Makachev will win. Yeah. I, 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 I can see it being a five-round decision. I'm not even saying he goes out there and taps him out or just, you know, uh, beats him up and finishes in two rounds. I don't think that's going to happen. I just still think the size, power, and wrestling will will still be too much for Volkanovski over five rounds. Yes, he may I make agree. it all five rounds, but yeah. And like I said, there's a there's a win in that, just going five rounds with the best lightweight in the world. But, you know, yeah. you know, I just, I just think yeah. Makachev... Like I, said, I, just, I think it's going to be... I think that uh, we'll, we'll do a full breakdown when we get there, right? Yeah. We don't have to go over too much now. Yeah, it's interesting though. It's, but this last week it was just an incredible card, unbelievable card. But, you know, I, I think I think I we're getting at too is look, Alexander, you got to give props to him. He's fucking going for it, man. I love these guys do this. When Izzy went up to a five, Connor was obviously the first, even though he hadn't defended his uh, lesser uh, <laughs> lower weight title yet, but. You know, when these guys go for the big things, that's the way I've always lived my life and fought. You know, it's like, well, let's go big, man, or go home, right? And sometimes you pay the price for it, but then you walk away with no regrets and you feel good about it and, and you can come back. And, you know, like, for, for instance, in this fight, like, Alexander has nothing to lose, right? He goes up and loses to Islam. It's like, well, y'all thought I was going to do that anyway, right? So what, what's the problem? Yeah, no, absolutely. I give him a lot of credit. And, and like I said, good for him going up and taking a chance. And, and, you know, I don't count him out, but we, and we'll talk more about it when it gets closer. But it's an interesting fight. Um, it's a big fight. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% excited to watch it. I, I'll tell you that much for sure. Um, that's yeah. a big one coming up in February. We just had a big one. We still have one more pay per view this year, of course. Yuri Prohoshka and Glover to share in the big rematch coming up in December. Uh, we got uh, Derek Lewis and uh, Sergey Spivak coming up this weekend. A good Bellator card oh, okay. coming up this weekend. Uh, Patricky Pitbull and Usman Nurmagomedov, the guy with the greatest name in all of mixed martial yeah. arts, Usman Nurmagomedov. Yeah. Uh, you got Corey Anderson and Vadim Nimkov rematching. So lots of good fights coming up. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Lots of good fights, and we got the holidays coming up, so we get to sit in in the. When it's getting dark at four o'clock in the afternoon and sit and watch the fights. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nothing. And nothing we get like... to actually sleep in, right? When the sun comes up at six AM, you know, it's hard to sleep in. Nothing like Ohio where it was like seventy two days ago and now it's thirty eight and snowing. Nothing like Ohio weather. Yeah, right, right. But <laughs> I bet you got the blackout blinds though, don't you, Damon? I do in my bedroom. I absolutely do have the blackout blinds in my room. Yeah. I can I, I'm you're not... a noon sleep. 
I am I am a I am a night person. I am not a morning person. You will like if you're like, hey, we gotta record the podcast at eight AM, I'd be like, dude, you're going on your own today because I am not getting up at eight AM. I am Well I am we not... used to do it early. Remember back in the day we used to do it early sometimes and I remember You'd be like, can we just do it like an hour later? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's that's what that's what I would roll in with the hat and everything because I was like, I am not getting up and getting ready for this thing. I am just gonna one hundred percent roll in, like wake up, get in the car, and go down and do this freaking podcast because I am not See, a, I, like I am not up, a morning person. I like to get up early, man. We get up. We've been doing the ice and the sauna at like six in the morning, man. It, it feels so much better. I'm dead by this time of night usually because I go ahead. We get after it, man, all day long. <laughs> No, thank you. I've I I did Come early on, morning. Come we well, I'm a I'm a video vlog vlog. You doing the ice sauna one day? Man, that's a that's a tall order right there. Getting I, I might okay, do the ice. That'll be next time we bet on a fight. That's going to be <laughs> well. Right now we're double or nothing still because I throw you like a motherfucker. But <laughs> but if I ever get ahead, that's where our bet's going to go. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll I'll do the ice and the sauna. I just won't do it at six o'clock in the morning. How about that? I'll do the ice and the sauna, but I definitely okay. do it at six a.m. in the morning. Okay, I'll tell you what. Even when it's cold out like this, when it's fifty, forty degrees outside, that's even worse. It don't matter what time of day because when it's forty degrees out, you get out of the ice and you're still cold. You don't got you know the sun's not out there to warm you up or anything. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's not gonna be fun, but yeah, you the chance you like you'd have to literally dump the ice on me in bed to get me up at six o'clock in the morning. Trust me, that that just is not. I am not a morning person. That that is when that is when I will actually legitimately become a fighter because someone tries to wake me up at six in the morning, I'll throw punches. Oh, I'm gonna try this someday. <laughs> okay, not you. I'm <laughs> saying anyone else. Anyone else wants to try this? I will 100. Yeah, I'll, I'll wake up swinging. I'm like, why are you waking me up? Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to get out of here. Uh, obviously, we appreciate everyone tuning in the show. Uh, we've been doing this for a while now with me and Matt doing the old uh, co-host thing. So it's been a blast. And uh, obviously, UFC 281 was an incredible event. I uh, want to appreciate everyone that tunes into the podcast each and every week. Make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, over on the best website in the world, MMAfighting.com. We will see you next week for another edition of The Fighter versus The Writer. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible 
eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.